Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and today's episode is presented by Subway, who now deliver so you can get back to the game. Week three, I talked about it on last week's episodes, but I like to have a three-game sample size before I start making any really definitive judgments on teams and players moving forward in the season. I mentioned that you have to be patient with star players especially the ones that start slow here, unless there's an obvious change in the scheme or something that would cause a real concern. You got to give these guys a little bit of time because we know that they can perform. And we saw a few players get back on track this week. We're going to talk about those as well as a couple of stars who I do think that you have to be just a little bit worried about right now. Then we're going to run through the injuries like we always do, including one of the best players in fantasy going down this week. And we're going to finish things off by going through the early waiver wire targets that you should be trying to get on your roster this week. Before we get into that, make sure you click the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're using. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating, give us a review. Big thanks to all the folks who've already done that recently. It helps us reach a wider audience. And like I mentioned last week, if this keeps up, we might even be adding more episodes each week. So thank you for that. Now, it's early in the season here, but there are buy-low windows that always open up for stars who have a bad game or maybe two bad games to start the year, and rarely is anyone as big of a screaming buy-low target as Mike Evans was last week. So through the first two games, he had two catches for 28 yards in week one, he had four catches for 61 yards in week two, and all the while he was getting overshadowed by Chris Godwin, and Chris Godwin is a heck of a receiver himself. These guys are a lot closer to equals than I think people realize, and Godwin might even be the better of the two, but that doesn't mean Evans is trash, and it was only a matter of time before Evans who topped the 1,000 yards in each of his five NFL seasons coming into this year, was going to get back on track again. I'm not sure if we expected 190 yards and three touchdowns this week, but no one is complaining unless you foolishly traded him away, which I cautioned you not to do. Evan's big day also meant good things for Jameis Winston, who had 380 yards and three touchdowns. O.J. Howard, finally popped up here with three catches for 66 yards. So some signs of life here from the Bucks passing attack finally. And whether it was Evans or Howard or Alvin Kamara for the Saints, he had his best game of the season with 161 yards from scrimmage and two scores. Nice to see him doing that with Drew Brees out. Joe Mixon, who had 95 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown in a tough matchup with the Bills. Or Tyler Lockett, even. He's turned things around. Had at least 10 catches in each of the last two games after a quiet opener. Lockett was pretty good this week. He had 154 yards and a score in that one. So we're seeing the talent rise to the top in most situations. But you have to analyze each player individually. Because, like I said off the top, there are a few spots where things have changed. Offenses are different. Defenses are different. And it's affecting player production. The most obvious example of this is in Minnesota right now. The Vikings have completely shifted into that run-heavy offense. And that started late last season. And since then, Kirk Cousins' pass attempts are way down. And now through three games, the Vikings are averaging just 21 pass attempts per game. That's seven fewer than any other team in the NFL. Somehow, Adam Thielen continues to put up decent days. He's doing it on incredibly limited targets, though. And that's worrisome. Thielen's averaging just five targets per game this year. He's produced stat lines of three for 43 and one, five for 75, 
and three for 55 this week. And he also had a rushing touchdown on top of that as well this week. So he's still getting it done, but can he keep it up with such ridiculous efficiency? That is very hard to do. His teammate, Stefan Diggs, certainly hasn't been able to do it. Diggs' stat lines, two for 37, one for 49 and one, three for 15 this weekend. I love both of these receivers. I really, really do. But I don't want to be involved with this passing offense, for fantasy anyway, and I'd be looking to trade them. If you can get a good offer before they have this tough matchup with the Bears next week, I would try to move them. I also want to talk about Devontae Adams. Once again, Adams, an outstanding receiver, just like the first two that I talked about there. One of the NFL's best by far, but we didn't expect this Packers defense to be as good as it is this year. And that's allowed the team to control games and not have to be in comeback mode like they were last season very, very often. And because of that, Adams' numbers are down. He had seven for 106 in week two, and, and that sort of took away some of the concern. But he's been held under 60 yards in each of the other two games this year. I'm holding on to Adams where I have him just to see if anything changes. Maybe the defense falls off a little bit. And I know Green Bay has played some slower offenses so far this year. Hopefully they'll have to take the air a little bit more in some upcoming games. They play the the Cowboys, the Chiefs over the next month or so. So maybe they're going to have to throw a little bit more in those ones. But you need to adjust your expectations for Adams just based on how good that defense is in Green Bay right now. The team isn't trailing and his targets are down. That is going to affect him moving forward. Sony Michelle is the other name that I want to talk about here. He did have 21 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown against the Dolphins in week two. Everybody lights up the Dolphins, obviously. But in week one, 15 carries for 14 yards. In week three, nine carries for 11 yards. He did have a touchdown to sort of salvage his day, but it's Belichick doing usual Belichick things, right? He, he has a new game plan every single week, mixing in Rex Burkhead a little bit more. And Michelle hasn't looked great. We have to admit that. He has not looked great since the season started here. I do expect that he's going to get going. I do expect that they're going to lean on him a little more in the second half of the year as they ramp it up towards the playoffs. We saw when he came back healthy last season, what he did down that final stretch. But based on how he's playing, I'm not sure that you can get much of a trade for him anyway right now. So hang tight in there. Just know that his weekly ceiling and his weekly floor, they're going to vary wildly in this offense in the early half of the season anyway. On to the injuries here. This week wasn't nearly as bad as last week on the injury report, but we did see some big names hit the trainer's table. Saquon Barkley, the biggest one, on crutches, suffered a high ankle sprain. He's going for an MRI on Monday, so we should have a more clear timetable after that. But high ankle sprains can normally be a few weeks, maybe even up to six weeks if it's severe. Wayne Gallman stepped into the starting role with Barkley out. We're going to talk more about Gallman when we get to that waiver wire section near the end of the podcast. A T.Y. Hilton entered Sunday's game with a quad injury. It was sort of a surprise game time decision. They thought he was going to play, but they wanted to test it out before the game. And he came out in the first half, eight catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown but then he re-aggravated that injury, didn't return to the game, and aggravations can often take longer to come back from than the initial injury. So we don't know if this is a tear or not. We don't know the severity at all yet. I'm sure we're going to find that out today or tomorrow, but I'd plan on being without Hilton at least next week and maybe beyond there. Julian Edelman left with a chest injury. This one's tough to gauge because the Patriots were in control of that game, just cruising against the Jets. And similar to the preseason, when you're up that big, there's really no reason to bring a hurt player back into the game. 
So we're going to monitor this one. X-rays came back negative. Seems like Edelman should be all right. His teammate Josh Gordon actually also got banged up in that one. Played through the injuries though and managed to finish the game. So not as worried about him at all. Be careful about pregame reports from beat writers. I have to stress that this week, especially when it comes to warmups. I might have made that mistake this week myself. There was a report that Daryl Williams on the Chiefs, that he was leading the way in warmups, that Darwin Thompson was second, and that LaShawn McCoy was third. And that combined with the video of McCoy seemingly limping when he was coming into the stadium this week caused speculation that McCoy might have a reduced role, that Williams was likely going to start that game. Williams did have a bigger role. He had 14 touches. McCoy had 11 but that's only because McCoy left the game after re-injuring his ankle. We're going to have to see how bad that injury continues to be for McCoy. But just a word of warning, watch how much stock you're putting into those late reports before game time when they're coming from beat writers. If they're coming from the national reporters, you can trust it a little bit more. But sometimes the beat writers are just taking a guess there. It's a tough situation for all of us to assess, absolutely. And if McCoy's healthy... He's going to have a big role in this backfield. He's looked good so far. I can admit that. Most running backs in this offense look good. And McCoy definitely looks a lot better than he looked in Buffalo last year. Some of the other injuries we got to bring up here. Royce Freeman missed time with a shoulder issue. We'll need to keep an eye on his practice participation this week. Ito Smith in concussion protocol. That could open the door for Brian Hill, who is on my deep sleepers list this offseason. And Vance McDonald hurt his shoulder in the game, was unable to come back. He's a low-end tight end one when he's healthy. Hopefully nothing severe, and the Steelers are going to have him back out there soon. All right, let's hit the waiver wire. At quarterback, Daniel Jones, he's got to be the guy this week. I know everybody's excited about Gardner Minshew, but Jones comes out heading into Monday night. He has the second most fantasy points among quarterbacks this week. 336 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, but also 28 rushing yards and two rushing scores. I talked about his underrated athleticism a few times this offseason that I didn't think he was going to get in there until late in the year. But if he did get in there, that he was going to be able to run the ball a little bit like we've seen from guys like Josh Allen. I can also say I'm very happy that I took Daniel Jones with one of my late picks in the Scott Fishbowl. He's definitely worth consideration as a pickup just to see if he can keep this up here. He's going to have a good chance to do that next week. He's going to be at home against the Redskins. So I like him as a streamer and a streamer who could be something more. So definitely somebody you want to go get there. Outside of Jones, there's not that many great options at quarterback this week. I mentioned Gardner Minshew. He's only 8% owned. Everybody's favorite story, but keep your expectations in check. He's going on the road to mile high, going to face the Broncos next week. And I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to keep this up, though it is a very fun story. I would be more apt to play someone like Matthew Stafford next week, and I know he's 51% owned, but he's going to go against the Chiefs. He'll be at home, could be a shootout, could be forced to throw a little bit more. They have the weapons to do that, just need the coaching staff to allow them to, or the game script to force them to. Stafford could be a sneaky play in that one. Outside of those guys, I'd be looking at matchup plays like Jacoby Brissett versus the Raiders, Kyle Allen at Houston. Kyle Allen came out. Played pretty well this week. If Cam sits again, he's going to be somebody you could stream next week as well. For running backs, Wayne Gallman, the top ad. We talked about it. Barkley sidelined. It's worth asking, though. Will the Giants bring in someone like C.J. Anderson or another vet who could step in there or maybe split time with Gallman? As long as Gallman holds on to the ball, he's got skills. He can produce 
especially if Jones can breathe some life into this offense. So go out there, get a bid in on him, because like I said, Barkley probably going to be out for at least a few weeks, maybe more. Daryl Williams on the Chiefs, 6% owned. Darwin Thompson, 32% owned. Turns out that Williams was the one that got snaps before Thompson in this game. And we don't know about Damian Williams' timetable, McCoy's status after re-injuring that ankle. That means that Daryl Williams and Thompson have to be rostered until we figure out what's happening there. Because like I said, pretty much anybody who starts in Kansas City at running back can put up decent fantasy points. Rex Burkhead, 24% owned, seen a lot of work in that Patriots backfield. But as long as Burkhead has a share of this backfield, he needs to be owned and maybe even started in the right matchups here. Ronald Jones, not someone that I'm super high on. We brought him up before. The Bucks backfield is probably just best to stay away from at this point because it is going to be a sort of three-man committee. But a healthy Jones has shown this year he deserves to be owned in more than 25% of leagues, at least until we can see definitively whether he can earn a bigger share of the touches there or not. Some deeper guys to mention, Brian Hill, who I talked about, just until we know what's happening with Ito Smith, it's going to be a two-man committee there regardless. They're not going to give Devonta Freeman 25, 30 touches a game. They're going to work other guys in. So Brian Hill, maybe even Kadri Olsen, the rookie, but I like Hill to step up there with Smith out. CJ Procise got a little more work this week. Rashad Penny was inactive with his hamstring. They said it's not serious, but that they want to play it safe. We don't know if he's going to play next week. Chris Carson keeps fumbling the ball. If that continues... Procise could work his way back into this backfield, shockingly, if he can stay healthy, which Procise has very rarely been able to do in his career. At wide receiver, Mecole Hardman, 49% owned, had 97 yards and a touchdown this week. Every week is going to be a wide receiver 2-3 right on that borderline while Tyreek Hill's out. DJ Shark, 41% owned, three straight big games from him, could be in the midst of a breakout here. You gotta bid big if you want him at this point. He's improved his overall game. Looks like he belongs this year. Last year, looked a little lost as a rookie. This year, looks like a wide receiver three in fantasy with a very high ceiling, which we've already seen in the first few weeks here. Marquez Valdez, Scantling, 54% owned. He had six for 99 and a touchdown. With defenses giving their attention to Adams, MVS has been getting it done on his opportunities and he hasn't needed much because he can catch that deep ball. He can stretch the field. He's a wide receiver for with upside. Some other names, Cortland Sutton, strangely only owned in 52% of leagues. I'd be going out there and rostering him. Nelson Aguilar, 54% owned as long as DJax and Alshon Jeffrey are out. And it seems like Alshon Jeffrey's probably a little closer to getting back soon. But as long as one or both of those guys are out, Aguilar is going to see a nice target share in that offense. And someone like Mac Hollins, who is the direct replacement for DJX, he's only 1% owned. He's somebody that you can also go and roster. Keep an eye on JJ Arcega Whiteside. I know he hasn't really done it yet, but he's a rookie. And as that learning curve moves along here, we could see him ramp up his participation in that offense. I don't want to go through everyone because if you want to read the full list, you can see it on Monday night on the score app. But Philip Dorsett, with Antonio Brown gone, with Edelman a little banged up there. Dorsett's going to be a big part of that Patriots passing game. Deontay Johnson, the rookie, 
He clearly was the number two in this offense. If Vance McDonald's hurt, if James Washington's not going to take on a bigger role, Deontay Johnson is worth owning. Preston Williams, who I was high on before the season, finally getting it done, has that connection with Josh Rosen, and they hooked up this week for a big game. And Golden Tate, he's suspended until week five, but once he gets back, if Daniel Jones is playing the way he is, you're going to want to own some pieces of that Giants offense, and Golden Tate, we know, can produce. Tight end, not nearly as exciting, but Will Disley is kind of exciting next week. He's 44% owned, but he plays against the Cardinals. And so far this year, two tight ends. The Cardinals have given up lines of six for 131 and one, eight for 111 and one, six for 75 and two. So yeah, do not hesitate. Start Disley next week. He's got three touchdowns of his own over the last couple weeks. So a perfect storm there for production. Chris Herndon, I continue to talk about him, somehow still 12% owned, but suspended until week six here. They have a bye week. It's a four-game suspension. He will be back in week six. And of the guys who are available on the waiver wire, he has top six, top seven fantasy tight end upside. He needs to be owned in all leagues. That's it for the show today. If you want that full breakdown, all the waiver wire options heading into week four, check out my column Monday night on the score. Make sure you're subscribed to alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the score app and following me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Big thanks to my Buffalo Bills for being 3-0 in the season. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.